power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We listen with our ears and our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, you can take your seats, everyone. Uh, welcome to Riverside. If you've not met me before, my name's Aaron, and um, alongside Rachel, uh, we get the privilege, I guess, of uh, leading the team here, which is a fantastic team, uh, and it, it's so creative, and it's so skilled and competent at doing so many different things, uh, and they work their fingers to the bone because they love Jesus so much, faithfully, in areas that you will never see, you know, and I'm really kind of proud of how they do that uh, and what we're able to accomplish together, so it's a real privilege and a joy to serve here. I really feel sensitive to what God wants to say this morning, so much so that the notes I've written I feel don't do justice, if, if you can understand that. So if I just stagger through it, it's larger because I just want to share as honest as I can, as open as I can, what God has placed on my heart, you know, and that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but I'm okay with that imperfection of the way God speaks for us. Can you just give me a little bit of grace? I feel God's given me the grace to do it in this way. If you don't know much about my history, I've had three main jobs in life, and they're all a little bit um, disconnected from each other. So I was a scientist, a research scientist uh, for an agrochemical company when I started my first job, uh, when I was just thinking about getting married uh, and the children were very young. And then I decided to go for a very similar job, a police officer, you know, which is obviously, you can see the natural move, can't you, from scientist to police officer. And then you can even see the bigger, easier move from policing to pastoring, you know, and you see that journey. But I, I think in the middle of all of it, it's God has this very unique way of just moving through you in different aspects of your life. Um, and so, believe it or not, I became an expert for a period of time in how to grow plants, you know, and every day I would go in and I would just grow scores and scores of plants uh, of both weeds and crops, you know, and we would grow them all together in set ways in these huge greenhouses, you know, from seedlings to saplings to full of that, and I, I knew what a healthy plant looked like, and that's what they trained me mostly in, was to be able to pick up a plant and to feel it and to look at its roots and its height and its signs of growth in there, because it was really important, because what I was about to do, which is what I was paid to do was I was about to spray those healthy plants and work out whether there was a special compound called a herbicide or a weed killer, as you know, to whether it was going to kill all the weeds and grow all the crops. That's the goal. How, how many know that's just really hard to do because both weeds and crops are living things? So it's really hard. And so that, I had that skill to be able to pick up and go, are the roots good? You know, is it going to show signs of life? Is it in a good place? You know, and I could assess that in a scientific way. It's got relevance today because I really want to talk about us being able to grow in the presence of God. You know, and I want to talk about the seeds being the word of God into our life that God wants to speak to you this morning and he wants to implant it into your heart and then he wants to invite us to be in certain conditions because certain environments of our life grow the word of God better. I want you to find the better environment for you by which those words grow exponentially. Let me just give you an illustration to help you understand. There's an author in America called Edward Bock, and he used to write in the ladies' home journal, as you're all aware. He tells this story about his grandfather who lived in Denmark. And it seems his grandfather had been commissioned by the king of Denmark to lead a band of soldiers against pirates who were playing havoc up along the shipping lines. And so the elder Bach, he set up his headquarters on a lonely, rocky, desert islet just off the coast. And after a few years, he was able to clear the pirates from the shipping lane. 
On return to the mainland, he reported to the king, and the king was really pleased, and he offered Bok anything he wanted. All he wanted, he told the king, was a plot of land on the island where he had just lived and fought so many months. And they told him, well, the island is barren. Why would you want to live there? I want to plant trees, said Bok. I want to make this island beautiful. And the king's aides, they thought he was crazy, and the island was constantly swept by storms and high winds, and he would never be able to grow there. However, Bok insisted. And the king granted him his wish, and he went to live on the island. He built a home, and he finally was able to bring his wife to it. And for years, they worked industriously, persistently, planting trees, shrubs, grasses. And gradually, the vegetation took hold. The island began to flourish. And one morning, they arose to hear the birds singing. There'd never been birds on the island before. And eventually, the island became a showplace and now is visited by thousands of tourists each year. And when he died, the grandfather requested that the following words be inscribed on his tombstone. Make you the world a bit more beautiful and better because you've been in it. I, I love the concept of God's natural design in nature that we have the ability to plant things on this earth to see growth and see something beautiful just by our hands and a bit of our wisdom. And I want to get earthy into that ability. So let's get our kind of fingers dirty. And Jesus knows this agricultural thing because he talks about um, planting all the time. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. It's a well-known parable. If you've been to Sunday school as a child, you'll have been told this. You've probably read this if you're new to faith, and you've got through Matthew, because it's a good place if you're new in the faith to start from the, the Gospels, Matthew chapter 13. And it's the parable of the sower. And it says the sower went to sow some seed, you know. And Jesus talks in parables, by which, which are stories with heavenly meanings. And so it's not about the seed. It's actually Jesus trying to tell you something more that's going on. And if you know the parable, you'll know what it means, but if you don't, I'm just going to go for a little bit of time just to help you understand what Jesus is talking about. And as the sower throws the seed, some of the seed falls on the footpath. And as it's on the footpath, it says it kind of gets there. And the birds come up and they eat the seed and it doesn't grow. Some seed falls on the rocky soil. But because there's no roots in there, you know, when the sun comes up and the plants sprout, there's no roots. It can't get the nutrients. It's got like nothing and it wilts and it dies. Some seed falls in fawny ground. And as it grows, as do the fawns and there's a competition and there's all this kind of mess going on and they die too. But some seed falls on good ground. And that seed grows exponentially, sometimes 30-fold, sometimes 60-fold, sometimes 100-fold. And it's all about meaning to the story. The seed is the Word of God. The sower is God speaking His words into your life. The soil is your heart. And so there's words of God in what I'm saying this morning. And it's like a sower, and I'm going to throw things out, and it's going to scatter, and all over you, right? It's going to land all over you this morning. And the question is, where does the seed land in your life? 
Where does it land in your heart? Because simply, sometimes it lands on the footpath. It lands on the surface. Yeah, I heard you, Aaron. What's for lunch? Rugby's on later. What I'm doing in work. You understand? As I'm speaking, I could do that. There's a, a conscious by which you could be in here, but you're in a different place. And what happens is God is speaking to you and he's speaking words out there because you're distracted and thinking about other things. It says the devil comes in and goes, I'll take those words back. The devil takes the words back because he knows the transformation of the words of God in your life. But then there's another place of our heart when it drops in and we receive it with joy and we're like, oh, that's good. I like that. Aaron was good this morning. I'm going to do something about that, isn't it? And then we walk out of the place and when we forget because there's no roots to that word. We simply just hear it and don't do anything about it. You know? and, and as the sun comes out and the week comes on, we forget what it's about and we're all back in next week to hear that little word again. And some of us cycle that and there's a shallowness and we lack depth. And some of us hear the word of God and we receive it and we go, wow, that's incredible. But we've also planted some other stuff in our life too that's not healthy. Thorny stuff. Cares of the world. Money's mentioned in this. There's other things which are of a greater priority than the word of God. And Jesus is saying about the word, hear the word, understand the word. And live the word into your life. So here's the challenge of what Jesus says. If you've got a problem with this, take it to Jesus, right? Don't give me a hard time. I'm just saying what he's saying, all right? Do you have a hard heart? Sometimes we're hard to God. I am very stubborn, if you don't know this. So is my wife. She will acknowledge that. You know, it's interesting in our house at times. You know, sometimes you can be hard to that. Don't be hard to God. Be open to God. Sometimes we lack depth by which we surface apply God's word in our life and we're shallow. Sometimes we have other priorities in our life that are more important than what God is saying right now. But sometimes we're attentive and we're listening and we're hungry for God to speak into our life. And I want to ask us the question, is there anything we can do to prepare our hearts to receive God's word? There is. Try praying. I want to talk about it for a few weeks. I want to encourage you to pray. There's a divine combination of when you pray and you listen to the words of God that prayer has this ability to soften our hearts. It has the ability that as God is speaking through his red word of the Bible, there's also things that are in there. God's going to speak to you personally over these next few weeks of going, this is my plan for your life. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to reveal who I am to you. But I also want to talk to you about your life. And I want to tell you things as you're reading. But in prayer, this is a dialogue that I have with you. And as you start to pray over these next few weeks and months, there's going to be a softening in your soul and your spirit. And you're going to hear what I'm going to say to you. I want to help you, encourage you with praying. And this is kind of, I've realized in society that people around us are praying more than ever before because the world is, seems to be promising more but delivering less. 
got access to everything that we ever want and still people are hungry for more because they haven't met Jesus who sustains us and gives us life. So as you go out, there's going to be two options of you can take these home with you. Okay, and this is really a simple way to encourage people to pray when they're in their workplace. So you might have a friend or a family member and somebody you're working with or somebody, a work colleague or somebody. And if they get to that place when you think, have you tried praying? Can you just kind of just say, like, I'm a person who goes to church, a person of faith, and I pray, and it helps me. And maybe, this is a little tract, by the way, and, and for just level one people who you're just connecting with, you want to just, just pass them that one. It's a really simple thing. It's just got basic information of maybe they could consider praying for the first time. But maybe get a little bit of traction with somebody, and they go into a really good conversation, and you go, actually, I'm really interested in finding more. There's a little booklet that we've provided from the church that you can take. So I've got 300 of these level ones and 100 level twos. Do you understand? Is that right? So can you measure which one's best, isn't it? Yeah, Because if everybody just goes, I'm just giving loads of books, that's really great. But I really want to invest into those people who are really advancing, because this has just got more detail to help. This is all online for free as well, which tells you in that booklet. And I want us to just pray ourselves, but encourage others in our world to pray. I genuinely believe that God is about to move in your life, in your family, on your street, in your workplace, with your friends, and I think he wants you to bring the change and the transformation. I think he's going to deposit something in you that things are going to grow out of that. James chapter 5 verse 7 in the New Testament says, brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. There's something about our spirit when we're expectant. We're in anticipation. Every farmer I know, when they sow seeds into that, they don't sit there going, I wonder if it's going to grow. They know something. They know that seed grows. They also know how to plant it in good soil because it's a waste of time taking good seed and planting it on the path. So they spend time preparing the fields. And I think we're invited during the season to spend time preparing our hearts. Jeremiah 4 verse 3. Anybody love the Bible when it's really challenging? Or is it just me who just slightly kind of goes, oh, ouch. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among thorns. People of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and your power. Change your hearts before the Lord. No mincing of words, is there? There's a stubbornness test, isn't there? Fine, God. Have your way. That doesn't sound a soft heart to me, does it? So Mary's praying one day, and suddenly the angel of the Lord appears to him and said, just to let you know, you're highly favored, and you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God, and he's going to save and, and die for the sins of the world, and he's going to be a savior. And Mary says, be it according to your word. There's a softness in Mary that says, whatever your plans have got for me, I want that planted in me. I wonder, right, it wasn't just that day. I wonder if she, she had found favor before that day. I wonder if when the Holy Spirit is looking for a carrier of the Son of God, it looks for the recipient hearts who would say yes. What's your heart saying right now? 
Is it one that says yes to God? James 5 verse 8, patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. The ministry, the word of God and prayer are important in preparing our hearts for growth. We want to see growth. We have to spend time praying, God, would you prepare my heart? And as you speak right now, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, there's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under heaven, and that's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to sow and a time to harvest. The Bible talks consistently about the word of God being a seed. And a seed is ready to be planted into the heart of man. And there's three phases to the growth of a seed, okay? It's you sow it, you grow it, and then you show it. Okay, sowing, growing, showing. Sowing is the process by which seeds are buried into the soil. It's implantation of God's word into your life. As I'm speaking now, there's the words of God being heard and you are listening and you have a choice to take those words and say, I'm going to bury that into my heart. You have a choice tomorrow to get up and pick up your Bible and go, I'm going to read this and listen to it and bury it into my heart. You have a choice to, when you get on the bus, as you're into work, and I can take my phone out, I can go to my daily reading, I can read some of your word, I can bury it into my heart. You have a choice to go for a walk tomorrow and go, God, speak into my life because I'm listening to you. I want you to implant your word inside of me. Growing has three stages, the germination, the vegetative, and the flowering stage. When you put the word of God in your life and you soak it with prayer and the rain starts to soften that area, one day that word is going to germinate in you. That moment when the seed suddenly pops the shell and breaks forward. There's a place in America where there's something called a desert bloom. And you can see a picture of it by the witch, but most of the year it's just an absolute desert. It's dry as a bone. And some of us feel like that. And you look at that picture and you go, all is lost. I am dry. And yet underneath the surface of that, I know this, under that desert ground, there are seeds waiting for the rain. They are waiting for the rain of the Holy Spirit to fall on that hardened ground. And as the rain comes, perfect conditions, and suddenly you get what's called a desert bloom. There's something miraculous about the Word of God that grows in your life. That right now, God says, I've got plans that I want to speak to you about. I want to talk to you about your future. Because you were born for a purpose. You were born to make a difference. You were born for significance. And you are that person who I have called to be the light and the life of the situation in which you're in. And you, I want to plant the seed of my life in you. This dynamic combination is like you become that soil, that plant pot. And God says, right, here we go. I'm going to pop my word into you. And he pops it and then he starts to water his Holy Spirit. Suddenly, there's things that start to grow in our life. And I used to grow seedlings in the greenhouse. You know, I'd take that. I'd have these little pots and I'd pop the seeds in and keep growing and growing them. And then I'd water them and I'd watch them grow. And then when they get to a certain stage, I would take them. I would break the pot. 
and I would take it in my hand because that point is this is a time of growth for that little sapling because in order to grow bigger and stronger and deeper, it needs more earth, more ground. Have you noticed right the way through the Bible that Jesus does that in people's lives where he breaks the pot for significance? So Daniel is a classic example of this. He is growing in the University of Jerusalem as an intelligent, young, good-looking fellow who's going places and then of all awkward moments, his land gets invaded and he gets taken off as a slave. You'd think at that point his life is over until you meet the word of God that says, actually, I'm way ahead of you, Daniel. Because what I'm doing, this is a moment for you where I'm going to take you and I've grown you to this place of this sapling. I'm going to break your pot. I'm going to take you into New York. I'm going to plant you into Babylon because there's going to be greatness in your life. Have you found God does that? He doesn't disrupt the growth in that. He just puts it in a different environment. If he took him just as a seed and just dropped him into Babylon, into the desert land, that wasn't his growth area. His growth area was back in the University of Jerusalem. He was just getting ready for the next stage of his life. Joseph is asleep one night. He has this dream where he's going to be great. You had those dreams, isn't it? He decides to tell his brothers and they'll go, yeah, right. Have you ever watched his part of growth? He starts to grow in the dreams of God. It sounds grand. And then his brothers hate him, so they dump him in a pit. The power of a seed is incredible. Let me tell you, seeds love challenges. They start in dark places, in deep places, without water, waiting for their moment to be activated. And you will see through Joseph's life, there's stories like, and the Lord was with Joseph, 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 and he comes out, he grows in the pit, and suddenly he ends up in Potiphar's house. Not as a son, but as a servant. He's in a new plant pot. He doesn't think, he doesn't look back to where he was and go, and there's no point, no area I can grow. He goes, I can grow here too. He starts to grow into Potiphar's house, his greatness in him. Why? Because God's within him. And suddenly he starts to expand in the place that where he is. And he serves. And he has good soil. And he has a good heart. And he has a good attitude. And he's a heart after God. And he's growing and he's growing. And then it goes out because suddenly there's a lady who fancies him and causes trouble to him, sets him up, and he gets kicked out of Potiphar's house. And then he gets put into prison. And it's all over again, isn't it? You can see, isn't it? So the pit to Potiphar's house, the prison, you know, and he's all over. And in the prison, he grows again because you can't stop the growth of God when you've embedded it in your heart and your life. There's, your external circumstances are secondary to your eternal heart. It's your heart issue. Some of you are looking at your externals thinking the externals are changed and the external but therefore it's all over. Look at your heart and what God is able to do in you. There's this vibrancy of this indestructible seed of God in you that is just looking to grow in you. And then says, wherever you want to plant me, God, I'm going to be planted for growth. And that day comes in the prison when he keeps interpreting dreams. Incredible scripture in the psalm. Until the moment came when the king spoke the word and set Joseph free. All the backstory is relevant. It's interesting to ask the question, who put the idea into Noah's head of a huge boat? 
Who convinced David that he could take on Goliath? Who suggested to Joshua that he'd be a great military leader and walk around the city walls before they clapped? Who still instilled into Moses that he could deliver a whole nation from under the oppression of a military leader? Who suggested to Joseph that one day he'd be prime minister? Who told Mary that she would give birth to the saviour of the word? Have you got it yet? That the words of God carry greatness and he wants to deposit in your life. And he's looking for a recipient pot of earthy soil to grow the purposes of God. Are you willing to listen to God in this season? Are you willing to say, speak, Lord, your servant here? I'm going to ask the band to come up if that's okay. Because I think God is getting us ready to plant stuff into our heart and to our life. But the challenge is, is God interested in me? Most of us identify as a nobody. I don't think God's interested in me. I think he chooses the better people in my class or the better people in my workplace. He doesn't. He chooses the heart that is willing to receive his word. He's going to choose the one who's willing to get up tomorrow and say, Jesus, would you speak to me? I can tell you every day I feel wholly inadequate about what I do. I have to battle my insecurity and what I feel about myself in light of what God feels about me. Because he has always said, Just so they want the Holy Spirit just to soften your heart to speak into your life. James 5, verse 16 says, Elijah was as human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. James cites Elijah as an example of a righteous man whose prayers released power. He says this, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Can I introduce you to the prayer room of influence? Your influence in this world will not be found on the big stage. It will be found in the presence of God. It is not found in the crowds where people go, oh, that is so great. It is found when you kneel before the King of Kings and you say, speak to me, your servant. Every prophet in the Old Testament had those moments when they were basically little plant pots of saying, actually, speak your word into me. It just happened that that word took them to the high places. And the reason for that is because God wanted to speak to the nation, not just to them. Individually, you get this. This word is for others. This word is to bless your street or your workplace or your community or your village or your town or your city 
or your country? How many go, right, God, speak to me now? Can we just do a little prayer together? Would that be okay? Just close your eyes. And then just as an act of receiving prayer, we often see it's just a way of just putting your hands out before God, just to say, I'm open to receive you. And there's no rush in your prayer, but just say, Lord Jesus, speak. Your servant listens. open to you. I'm going to pray for rain, the Holy Spirit, to soften my heart so that the Word of God and the Spirit of God would combine inside of me and growth would just start to take place, eternal growth. you to stand and sing this song together but in the words let the Holy Spirit talk to you and then just start this conversation not just today but going on into the week that we might find this great place of prayer 